We need to celebrate what a diverse group of people we are. We need to celebrate the fact that you don't have anything in common with me. Isn't that wonderful? This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part six of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing from Pastor Paul Twiss. We hope you're being blessed by Pastor Paul's tour of the book of Ephesians, today in chapter one, verses seven through 10. You won't want to miss today's exposition on verse nine, in particular about, quote, making known to us the mystery of his will. The Apostle Paul, in his letter to the Ephesian church, equates mystery to the glory of God's church and its diversity. In the Ephesian church, it meant, quote, the wonder that Jew and Gentile have been brought together in one body. Here's part six of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. We join as pastor is referencing God's eternal law. The law will always stand. It comes from an eternal God, and so you can't break it, but it will break you. As you choose to run a different course, you will feel the pain and the misery that is brought about through your disobedience. But when God saves you, now you see the rightness of his commands. Now you see the wisdom in what he ordains. Not that all of a sudden it becomes easy to obey. But you see the appropriateness of what he has given to us in his word. Children, you see that it is right to obey your parents. It's best. It's not always easy. We make mistakes. It's not always easy to obey, but it's the best thing for you. And you see it with new eyes. We see that. Though marriage is hard, that it's not always easy, it is best to persevere, that you honor that lifelong commitment with the marriage vows you made on your wedding day, choosing to love in a way that represents God's love. You see the rightness of that command. You see that it's not wise to cheat on your tax return. You could get away with it and you might have a few more dollars to show for it, but you see the wisdom in denying yourself that because God has opened your eyes and given to you insight according to the gospel. You now see how the way the way the world works. However, all of that being true, Paul has a very specific application of wisdom and insight in mind, which he then tells us about in verse 9. With all of that being true, Paul narrows down the application of wisdom and insight by saying in verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will. That's the specific application of our eyes having been opened We now understand the way the world works, how we ought to live, and that it is best for us. But in addition, and Paul's point, is you now have wisdom and insight as it relates to the mystery. So you can tell that the next question we need to ask is, what is the mystery? 
Paul uses the word mystery many times throughout his writings. You can do a word search and see that this is a term that Paul is very fond of. And an interesting thing is that Paul doesn't always use it to mean the same thing. You have to study the immediate context. Someone famously said, a word will be known by the company it keeps. So when you come across mystery in Corinthians and you work hard to determine what Paul means by mystery to the Corinthians, don't assume, don't assume that that same meaning is intended when he uses the same word in Ephesians, because it's not. Paul has license to use this word in different ways, in different contexts. In Ephesians, the word mystery is used predominantly to speak about the glory of the church. When Paul talks about mystery in Ephesians, he talks about the wonder that Jew and Gentile have been brought together in one body. That's what mystery means in Ephesians. Very soon we'll get into Paul's discourse about the Jews and the Gentiles and the divide. And he says the dividing wall has been broken down. The Jews and the Gentiles have been brought together in one body. Because as you search the Old Testament scriptures, you don't see that doctrine played out in any sense of fullness such that they would have been anticipating it. What you see in the Old Testament scriptures is that Gentiles had the opportunity to worship this God, but the way in which they would do so is to become a Jew. That was what was the system in the Old Testament. Think of Rahab and think of Ruth. These are non-Israelite women who have a desire to worship Israel's God. So what do they do? They become Jews. Your people will be my people, says Ruth. I want to become who you are. That's how I get access to this God. That was the Old Testament way. In the New Testament, God reveals his bride, the church. And he says, Jew and Gentile have been brought together in one body and it is glorious. And the Jew doesn't have to become a Gentile and the Gentile doesn't have to become a Jew. This was the decision that they were pondering in Acts chapter 15 at the Jerusalem Council. The first ever church council was around this issue. All these Gentiles professing faith in Jesus Christ. And the Jews are disgruntled. They don't like it. And they say they have to become Jewish. So the church leaders gather together for the first council in all of church history. And they discuss the issue. And their conclusion is, no, they don't. They're putting on display their awareness of the mystery. They are showing us that they have insight as it relates to the church. They don't have to become Jews in order to be Christians. But they do have to become Christians to be Christians. The point is, God has made known to us wonderful things as he makes plain his plan for the church. Anyone is allowed membership here, so long as they put their faith in Jesus Christ as their savior. No one is excluded from the church, so long as Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Now the application, the way in which we praise in response to the wisdom and insight that God has given us as it relates to the mystery is simple. It is that you would love and be all about the local church, especially in its diversity. 
You would love and be all about the local church. It would be the defining feature of your life. Tell me about so-and-so. Well, there's one thing you need to know. They love the church. That should be you. Especially in its wonderful diversity. Have you ever noticed that in any local church, God has brought together people who apart from the gospel would have no good reason to be sharing their lives with one another? It is true of every church. I often just sit and ponder and I get to look at you in a unique way that you don't get to see you right now. But I get to stand here and see how this person would have no cause to be sharing their life with this person, but the gospel brings them together. These folks over here would never overlap with these folks in the ordinary course of everyday life. But the gospel brings them together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And now what we're seeing is that this person over here is laying down his life for the goodness of this person over here. They have no cause for their lives to overlap except for the gospel. And now how they love one another. That is how the local church praises God for the wisdom and insight that we have been given according to the mystery. Make sure that is your manner in this local church. Do not fall into the trap. I want to be very, very practical here. Don't fall into the trap when you arrive on a Sunday of gravitating towards and spending time with and speaking to those people who you already know and you already love because they look very much like you do. That tends to be the principle that governs our fellowship. If we're not on guard, if we're not watching ourselves, we gravitate towards those folks that look most like us. He likes the same things as me. He does the same things as me. We understand one another on issues apart from the gospel. Guess where I spend my time on a Sunday morning? Don't behave like that in the local church. A piece of counsel that I often give to folks as they come and they say, I want, I want to be discipled. I want somebody to, to pour into my life and sharpen me. I say, go and find someone who looks very different to you. Go and find someone in the church that looks very different. Their life is nothing like your life. They're saved. Their sins are forgiven. But apart from that, you don't have all that much in common. Hang around that person. Because I guarantee you've got things to learn from them. You've got blind spots that they don't have. So go be with them. Don't gravitate towards those that it's just easy to get on with because they look like you. If this is the way in which you behave in the local church, then God will be praised. We need to celebrate what a diverse group of people we are. We need to celebrate the fact that you don't have anything in common with me. Isn't that wonderful? That's what we need to be like because it honors God. It praises him. It blesses him since he has given us wisdom according to the mystery that is the church. The third reason by which we might bless God because of Jesus' blood is that he's brought us into an eternal plan. He's forgiven our trespasses. He has granted us wisdom. And thirdly, he has brought us into an eternal plan. Notice verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, 
which is set forth in Christ. So there's a, there's a purpose that just got brought into view. He's speaking about wisdom and insight as it relates to the church. And then Paul says, according to his purpose. There's, there's a purpose, there's a goal in mind. The goal has been set forth in Christ. Then, verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time. To unite all things in him. Things in heaven and things on earth. And so even within this unit, not to mention the broader paragraph, even within this unit, Paul stretches from the immediate to eternity future. And he says, as you were saved, trespasses forgiven, as you were brought into the church, there is a plan in view which results in all things being united together in Christ. I think Paul has in view the final day of salvation history. To some degree, we saw this being worked out in Jesus' first coming, him bringing things unto himself, many disciples. But we only saw a fraction of what will be true when Jesus returns and wraps up salvation history. When Christ returns... And when God says, it's done, it's over, salvation history has reached its terminal point, when that happens, every single atom on planet Earth will be found praising Christ. There is nothing in the universe that will turn a blind eye to the return of Christ. I often wonder how it will be that when Christ returns, every eye will see him. How will that be? I don't know physically how that's going to happen, but I trust it will happen because God's word says it will. So when he returns, every single person on earth will bow their knee in submission to the Lord who is Jesus. You do not need to doubt that fact, but understand the manner in which the knee will be bowed will be markedly different depending on your response to Christ now. There will be many who will bow the knee in joyful celebration at the appearance of Christ. We will be united to him in a way that is even more evident than we are united to him now. We will see him. And we will celebrate and we will fall on the floor in worship and it will be a wonderful day. There will be millions who bow the knee in terror, who turned their backs to Jesus their whole earthly life and now he stood before them. And they recognize instantly their mistake. They recognize instantly the hard-heartedness of their hearts. They recognize instantly the gravity of their sin before a holy God and the fact that there was a way of salvation presented to them and they didn't take it. And they will bow their knee, but with the utmost terror as to what's about to ensue. In addition, it says all things. In addition, the oceans will bow the knee. Do you ever think about that? The mountain ranges will bow the knee. The forests and the highways and the deserts and the tundra, it would all praise Jesus on that day. This is how Paul can say in Romans, 
all creation is groaning. It is not just Christians. We groan for the return of Christ. Come, Lord Jesus. Paul says all creation is groaning. The whole cosmos is waiting for the revelation of Jesus Christ. And in a way that we can't get our minds around, the mountains will bow the knee and pay honor to the Savior. Creation will know the fullness of its redemption in that day. All things will be united in him. You need to meditate upon these realities. I talked last week about our future salvation and the importance that it is for a Christian to be mindful and bringing to mind often the future realities of our salvation. You need to meditate upon the precious blood of Jesus and the fact that it has brought you into a plan that has a purpose in the end of salvation history when all things will be united to him. And as you meditate upon that, as you pursue the discipline of bringing to mind these truths, your heart will start to respond with praise. That's how this works. You have to have a discipline in your life of meditating upon Scripture. This is why Scripture memorization is so important. You have to get this in here and it doesn't go easily. So you do it hundreds of times. And as you do it, guess what? It starts to go down to here. And now you find affections in your heart towards God that haven't been awakened perhaps for some time. What would be the praise that we give to God in response to the fullness of his plan? It would be to live boldly, confident lives in Christ. Now I say that with reference to the original context that Paul is writing into. The Ephesians were being faced with opposition, namely those that were worshipping at the Artemis temple. You remember there are many going to worship the goddess Artemis. And they're starting to feel the heat because as people are being saved to the way, the business of the folks around the temple who make their trinkets and sell them is being lost. So there's a riot about this. And then Paul goes. The Holy Spirit calls him and he leaves Ephesus. And now they're without their leader and the heat remains. And so I think Paul knows that there is a temptation for them to step back and to start to hide their identity in Christ. To start to behave in such a way that the world would be forgiven if they thought you're ashamed of your faith. The world looks at you, guaranteed the world is watching you. In so much as you have known, made it known that you are a Christian, I guarantee someone is watching you. And they are drawing conclusions about the Christian faith and about Jesus based on how you live your life. You don't want them to say, I think he's embarrassed about his faith. Paul didn't want the pagans in Ephesus to say that about the Christians. He wanted the pagans to say, look how confident they are in their right standing before God. We don't buy it, but look how sure they are of it. That is how we're to live our lives. Not with arrogance, not with pride. With the utmost humility and the utmost meekness. But confident of our salvation in Christ and all that we possess in him. That's how you praise God. 
You need to live your life in such a way that people know that your joy is found in Jesus. It's not hidden. It's not tucked away. But you're happy to showcase your faith in so much as it points to a wonderful Savior. And as we respond in praise, in those ways, God will be blessed. Let's pray. Father, we praise you tonight for the precious blood of Jesus. We praise you tonight for the precious blood of your Son. He died on a cross at Calvary. And by that we are saved. We are set free. We see from the text that our sins are forgiven and the cords of bondage are loosened so that we are those who are free indeed. May our response of praise be that we would live a principled life of obedience, striving to do all that we can to get our lives under your word, refusing to pursue known sins, because in this way we praise you. Father, we praise you tonight for the precious blood of Jesus that gives to us wisdom and insight We now see as you see, we see the way the world is supposed to work. We see the rightness of your law. We see how it is good for us to obey. And we see especially that your plan is to bring together Jew and Gentile people from all walks of life into the church, the bride of Christ. May we embrace your plan. May we be all about the local church, especially embracing the diversity that is here. People from all walks of life who perhaps if it were not for the gospel would have no cause to overlap with one another. And yet in your wisdom, you have brought us together to this local church. Father, help us to embrace that glorious plan because by it we praise you. And we see that that design, that mystery has a goal. It has a purpose, namely at the revelation of Jesus Christ, all things will be united together in him. The cosmos will bow the knee in praise of Jesus. That is where we're headed. And our salvation is secure. So in praise, would we live boldly, confident lives as disciples of Christ? Guard us against pride, guard us against arrogance, foster in us the utmost humility and meekness, but Lord, cause us to put our faith on display so that the watching world would know that our joy and our confidence is in Christ alone. By this, you will be blessed. So we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Yesterday, Pastor Paul focused on a most unusual blessing at the beginning of the verses 7 through 10. The apostle writes, quote, In him we have redemption through his blood. The cleansing power of Christ's blood shed for us. It's a huge gift. And now in part 6 today, there's another great blessing in verse 9. The glorious diversity of Christ's body, the church. The mystery made known to us 
Is Christ's model of loving and serving persons very different from us? That's a huge blessing, because after 20 centuries, the gospel has long since spread out of Jerusalem into every country in the entire world. You know, there's always more to hear and ways to grow through the teaching at TimelessTruthToday.org. That's TimelessTruthToday.org. On the homepage, select Broadcast. There you'll find an archive of Pastor Paul's teachings, plus what you've missed in this series, all free for the listening. Remember, if you don't have a local church to attend, we'd welcome you to come worship with us at 1030 on Sundays. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Join this program tomorrow for part seven of Blessing God for Every Spiritual Blessing. I'm Matt Williams. Thank you for listening to Timeless Truth Today.